Y'all, uh, before we get started tonight, can y'all hear me okay? Okay. I, I still ain't got used to this thing. Jim talked about told me earlier. He said it was just perfect the way you had this morning. Well, he didn't know when I turned it back on, it ain't perfect no more. So I had to find that perfect spot again. Uh, but anyway, thank God for the lapel mics. They're, they're nice. They really are. Uh, but what I wanted to tell you, the way we're going to start this off today, I know we're in chapter seven, uh, verse 7 of chapter 12. I want to go back uh, in verses 1 through 6, and I want to I want to clarify some things. And I, we're not going to read it again. I just want you to know that uh, that the things that we said last week uh, are true, but it was kind of incomplete. And here here's why. You know, when we mentioned the scripture this morning of Isaiah, where things happen line upon line, line, you know, y'all know that scripture precept here, a little there, a little. And, and I made a statement that prophecy works that way sometimes too. When a, prop, a prophet prophesies something, sometimes it comes in stages over years, and in some cases over centuries of years. Think about that. And so uh, when we were speaking about the woman uh, last week that was in travail, we all understood that it was talking about Zion, which is what Isaiah uh, 66 calls Jerusalem at that time, Zion, and calls it uh, the, uh, the city of Jerusalem a woman. A woman's what he calls her. And that's where this they got this woman from, that she was the woman. And, uh, and uh, she has this, the 12 stars, which we knew were the 12 tribes of Israel. That all makes sense. But when we got to the part where it said, and she being a child cried prevailing in birth and pain to be delivered, and I made a remark that it's not necessarily, it wasn't talking about Jesus, it was talking about the travail of the salvation that was coming through uh, to Jerusalem at this time in history where they were, at, were in the tribulation period here. But that it was, that was not in, uh, accurate uh, completely because it, it also amplifies uh, 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 the, the birth of Christ as part of that. Jerusalem did travail when Christ was born. Mary travailed, but so did Jerusalem because it set the city, uh, uh, pitted the city against one another and he was crucified there. And so it, that was all part of it. And so that, uh, that, uh, uh, those prophecies that were said about these very things right here, <coughs> one of those prophecies that takes place in years and happens in stages, Christ being a part of that because there would be no travail in Jerusalem in the tribulation if it weren't for the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he is the, he is the reason that they are going through this period right now because they rejected him. He became a stumbling block to them. So this all works in conjunction. Sometimes these, uh, these prophecies and these sayings have, a, have more than one meaning and fit more than one time. I just want y'all to, to understand that and, and don't think that this does not include the travail of Jerusalem when Christ Jesus was born there. It started something, listen, that's still going on. Amen. We're here tonight because of that, that travail. We're here tonight because they crucified Jesus Christ. We're here tonight because they rejected him. We're here tonight because he became a stumbling block to them. We're here tonight because the same prophet that prophesied some of these things said that the Gentiles was going to see a great light. Amen. And so that's all, it all works in conjunction and it all works together for the purpose of God and the plan of God. So I just kind of left some of that out and made some people think, well, it's not talking. It does include the birth, but it also includes the travail that we're going to see in, in Revelation a little later on where 
return where Christ returns. It's going to, and he's going to return when they realize that they had killed the Messiah. They're, he's going to return when they call upon his name. And y'all, they're going to be just about decimated. They're going to be just about destroyed when they finally get to that point where they're going to say he was the Messiah. And when he, when they do that and they begin to call on that name, he's coming. He's coming back for his earthly kingdom, his thousand-year reign. So we're not talking about the rapture. We're not talking about the catching away of the church. We're talking about when he comes and sets up his earthly kingdom in the millennial reign of Christ. And that's where we're going here. We're going there. As far as I know and as far as I believe, the church is already raptured at this point. The church has been raptured uh, in all this because I do believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And, and I believe the church, you say, a lot of people say, well, what's the church doing right now? And I, and I say they're, they're being, their works are being judged during this time. They're getting their rewards during this time. They're doing these, these things during this time. Now, the Bible doesn't explain that, but it does tell us that these things are going to take place in heaven, and you don't see it in Revelation. You see it told, but that's, to me, that's when this is going to take place. And when Christ comes back, the saints are going to be with him, Okay? The saints are going to be with him, so that signifies that the saints are with him, and they're going to come back with the millennial at the millennial reign of Christ. And so, I just want to clarify that and let you know that God don't know everything. I ain't even know close to everything, but there are certain things that we we can know. There are certain things that we can believe, and there's certain things that makes a lot more sense than other things. Okay, and so I just wanted to explain that that part of the travail of Jerusalem was part partly with, with Christ and what they did with him. But what it's talking about here is, is what's to come, the travail is the salvation of Israel. It's going to come through great travail for Jerusalem. Okay? Any questions about that or comments about it? Or somebody just say, you know, you're, you're full of hogwash. And I, I could be. I'm from Arkansas. So, but anyway, I just wanted to touch on that and clarify that because uh, it's been bugging me all week since I said that, that it wasn't about the birth of Christ. Yes, it was too about the birth of Christ, but that wasn't all that it was about. And we've got to understand this about prophecy, especially this, that it took a long time to get to this point, lots of years to get to this point, lots of prophecy to get to this point, and prophecy is still in the midst of fulfillment as these things are occurring on the earth, okay? End-time prophecy hadn't happened yet, okay? So these things are to come. And so they, some of those things started a long time ago. I'll give you an example, and then we'll move on. You know, the, the, there's this prophesied that the, the Gentiles would try uh, Jerusalem. Well, how many times has that happened? Does anybody know? It's happened multiple times. But it's also going to happen. It happened when the Babylonians came. It happened, it happened as the Assyrians came. It happened as the, as, uh, it, it happened. It happened when the Romans came. Okay? And, and so those things have already happened, but now Israel is a nation again, and Jerusalem is their capital again, and it's going to happen again. Okay? So you see that, that it was prophesied that these things would happen, and it's come multiple times. So that's an example of what I'm talking about. Try to help you understand this. So let's go ahead then and, and uh, somebody read for me, if you will, uh, verses 7 through 12. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. 
and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. One more. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having no trap, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Okay. So we see this, and this is an event that has not taken place yet. I asked y'all a couple of weeks ago, I want you to think, has Satan already been cast out of heaven? And the answer here is no, not yet. And there's scriptural evidence to, to show that that has not taken place yet. It's found in scripture, it's found in the Old Testament. We know that uh, when Adam and Eve were created, who was there? Satan. Satan. Who tempted them? Satan did. When Jesus Christ was baptized, who was there after his baptism, after his 40 days of, of fasting? Who was there? Okay. Satan was there. The Bible says that uh, when uh, Jude talked about the death of Moses, that there was somebody there who wanted to retrieve the body of Moses. Who was that? It was Satan who came there to retrieve the body of Moses. And basically the question what he wanted, we won't go there. But there is reasons why he would want that body. And so think about this. That, that Satan has always been in the earth. Satan has always been throughout the history, the biblical history, has been a, a part of what went on in the, in the downfall of mankind, the, the curse that came upon the world. He, 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 he didn't cause it. Okay? Disobedience caused it. But he tempted them that way. He tempted them that way and they fell far hook, line, and sinker because he offered them something that they wanted. They wanted to be like God. Well, why would he instill that into Eve when he met her for the first time? It's because that was his desire. He wants to be like God. No, he wants to be God. And that's what got him in trouble to begin with. Now this happened a long time ago. Angels are created beings they live in glory. And, and here's another thing. Angels are, are amongst us today. Do you believe angels walk this earth today? If you don't, you don't believe the scripture. Amen? There's angels that walk this earth. Do you recognize them? Well, sometimes we do. Not right all, uh, and sometimes we don't. But I've never seen a scripture where they didn't, somebody at some point when they encountered one, didn't realize it before the encounter was over with. That they were there. We, we, we uh, preached this morning about Mary. Uh, encountering Gabriel, uh, uh, Zacharias, he encountered Gabriel, and and so uh, Satan, when he went after the body of Moses, encountered Michael, the archangel that had come, and so these angels are created beings, but they're created and designed for a specific purpose 
uh, in heaven and they do those things they're designed and told to do by God. They, they, they understand God, they see God, they know God, they know what he can do. And so, and so Satan was called, uh, not Satan, was called Lucifer in the scripture. And he was a seraphim in, in, the, in the scripture. And, and the Bible talks about him, we're going to get into the Old Testament uh, on one Wednesday night. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on this scripture right here where it says that he was in the very throne room where God came in. And he was walking on the, the sapphire stone that, that that throne was sitting on. The, the throne, the, 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 the flooring that looked like a flame, he walked on that. Didn't mean he was in hell. It meant that he was at God's throne. And, and uh, uh, Ezekiel tells us, and I think I showed this to Brother uh, Barry, or showed him the scripture, where he's, uh, he's talking about the king of Tyrus. But all of a sudden, he breaks in uh, and, and explains about something else because he's having a prophetic moment while he's talking about this king of uh, Tyrus. And, and, uh, and, and he begins to describe, and ain't the king he's talking about because the things he described, this king no way was doing what he was doing. And, uh, and so he was, uh, this king he was describing was certainly not in the Garden of Eden. And so we know from that when he gave again to, to describe him, he described as Lucifer, who is Satan, as one who was adorned with all of these beautiful jewels, diamonds and rubies and sapphires. And all of these these things, have you ever seen a diamond and held it up to the light, how it reflects that light? And it makes it just, it just send out light. With, Satan was designed as a seraphim who was at the throne of God and when God came into his throne room and the glory of him, you know, God's light. When the glory of God came in and the, and the, and the glory of God hit Satan, he, you know what he did? He went, <clears throat> he illuminated, he lit up. He got it in his head that he was like God. Because he was a reflection of, and y'all listen to me, because that's what we are. We are reflections of God. Without God in us, the light goes out. There is no light in us without the Lord in us. When Satan, when Lucifer was created, he was created as a seraphim. And that's what he would, he would do when the Lord would enter in. He would be, become a brilliant light and he would reflect the glory. He became an imitation glory of God. And he got it in his head that since he was like in all the other angels, the Bible don't say this, this is Gary's two cent word, would look at him and go, wow, look at him. Man. Because he was the only one of his kind. He was created to, to, for the magnificence of the glory of God to be a reflection to everybody when God walked in at the throne room. Well, he let that go to his head. The Bible tells us that he decided he wanted to become God. And so the thing about it is he's been on this earth. He's, he's been in this earth. He's done this. These things happened a long time ago. But the book of Job chapter 1 tells us some, another story about Satan. And in this story, it's telling us he's not on the earth. The Bible says that there's a time when the sons of God went to the throne of God to report to God, to tell them what they were doing. And the sons of God there is talking about the angels that we know walk around the earth. Jesus made a remark to that about they report to the Father routinely about the little ones that they're, they're looking at. Okay, that, that, that uh, God knows what's going on because these angels are watching out for people. We call them guardian angels. 
And Jesus made a remark to them that they go to the throne of God and tell God what's going on. Of course, he knows, but they still do that. And so Satan was there at that time when these angels came forward to God to talk to him and to tell him what's going on. And he tells, he tells the Lord, if you'll remember, that he had been going a long time to do bad things to people. And I'm paraphrasing all that. Somebody wants to look up uh, uh, that chapter 1, verse 6, I think is what it is. Uh, but anyway, we don't we won't go there. But that's this is what happened. So he was also not only walking in the earth, he was going into heaven where God was because he still had that ability. Okay? And that's why in the New Testament, he is called something else. He's called not only a liar and the father of lies, but he's also called the accuser of the brethren. That's what he was doing before God. He was accusing people on earth. That's what he was doing. And so this scripture tells us that this is fixing to come to an end. And this is what's going to set the stage for the wrath of Satan to come down as he becomes the Antichrist and he declares war on all mankind. He's angry because he's been cast out of heaven. And the scripture here tells us that, that those very things says there was war in heaven and look at the angel. The same angel that confronted him over the body of Moses is the one that God gives the power to confront Satan and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought with and his angels. So it was the thing and, and Isaiah prophesied this. And Isaiah prophesied that he looked up and he beheld this, this star falling from heaven or this dragon falling from heaven and his tail took a third of the stars with it. And it was not a prophecy of something that happened in the day of Isaiah. It's something that he saw that's described here in Revelation. Okay, so the prophecy was made during Isaiah and, the, and, the, and Satan had, uh, had disobeyed he had lost his authority. He was no longer at the throne room of God, but he could still go to earth and he could still go to God's throne. Now think about that for a minute. Those are things that we've been taught all our life. Well, he's already failed. He's not because the scripture says right here, and he prevailed, Michael did, neither was there a place found any more for him in heaven. So he was cast out of heaven at this time in history, this time of the tribulation period is when Satan lost his ability to go before God to go into heaven. It was something that he loved to do. It's something that he, he thought that he was good. You know, we look at Satan and say, well, surely he knows what's happening to him. As long as he was kind of going in and out and doing what he wanted to do, I don't think he really does understand everything. But when this door closes, when he gets cast out right here and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. So there's no uh, misunderstanding of, of who got cast out. And Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now the thing about it is, you say, well, what about all the demon-possessed people? His angels were still had the same ability that he did, that they could go to earth, they could also go back into glory. Because this is when all that stops. Does this make sense to anybody? Yeah, and so, and demons, demons, a lot of people think that anybody can be uh, possessed by a demon, not so. Because we have a strong man living in our house. When Jesus said that the thief, when he comes, has to overcome the strong man of the house before he can rob you, we got a strong man in our house 
that cast him out. Amen. Um, there's an announcement. He wouldn't have come up here if it hadn't been, but uh, uh, Kenneth Hill, our brother in Christ here, and uh, his wife Lori, he just came in from work and found her dead. Oh. So let's take a moment. Pray for that family and uh, pray for them. She's been in bad health for a long time. But, uh, and that, that just happened, James? Yes. He okay. just came home. Okay. So uh, uh, was that him on the phone? That was his brother, David. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a moment and pray for uh, Kenneth. Uh, and Lori is his wife now, the one that he found dead. So let's go ahead and pray for them. Father God, in, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, and Lord, and, and well, here we are in the holiday season, finishing Thanksgiving, fixing to go up in the celebration of, of, of the birth of Christ, and Lord, the, the world goes on, life goes on, sickness goes on, death goes on, and God, here we are facing this. So God, we lift up Kenneth and that family. We pray for them, God, and we pray, God, that that you would give them, him, and, and those kids comfort, God. We pray that you would give them peace, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel our prayers toward them. And God, that we would make ourselves available to that family to help them and do whatever we can to make this time uh, easier on them. And God, so we just lift them up to you. Pray, God, that, that you, would, you would take them and put them in your hands. Draw them up to your heart, God. May, the, may Kenneth feel the very heartbeat of his Savior that he loves today and right now. God, we just pray, Lord, that you'd help him to, to, to know and to realize that, that you're God. And that, Lord, our loved ones who are saved, when they leave this life, they go to be with our Lord. So, Lord, I pray you'd comfort him with these thoughts. And I know he's mourning. I know he's shocked. I know there's a lot of preparation to be done now and it's just cast upon him. So we pray, Lord, that you give him the wisdom, that you give him the calmness, that he might think rationally and be able to do the things to, to, to prepare for the, the burial and those things that he has to face in the coming days. And help us as a church, Lord, to be there to help him make these decisions and help him in any way we can. So, Lord, we lift him up to you. We pray for that whole family. And we ask it in the holy name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 <coughs> it's a shock. Always a shock. And so what we were talking about here, it says that Satan was cast out at this time. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I look in verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of, which, of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. It's over with. He ain't accusing nobody anymore. And when he, he comes down, and, 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 and verse 11 is, is just wonderful. And he's talking about when he was cast down. Now we know that part of the travail of this woman is that salvation is coming to Israel. 
We know that from Scripture because it's told us. And the Scripture says in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, 26, I, I quote the Scripture a lot, that when, when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, which I believe uh, is the rapture of the Gentile church, or the rapture of the church. Now you've got to understand that the, the, the Jewish people who are Christians are part of that church. Amen. We're not two churches. We're not a Gentile. They did that in Acts. They had a Gentile church and a Jewish church. When the rapture come, uh, takes place, he's going to rapture his church. He's going to catch his church up. And it ain't going to be Jews and Gentiles. It's going to be his church. These Jews that are going to go up when the Gentile church goes up are also people who have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and received the same salvation we have. Okay? And so these people that, that, that uh, when he has failed... And these people that are here, thanks to the, the, the two witnesses and 144,000 uh, Messianic Jewish uh, people who were sealed, who were given the power to preach and they believed in Christ, thanks to them there's a great number of people who are saved. If you'll remember, the, when we studied the scripture the other night, they talked about the, the two witnesses that laid in the street for three and a half days when all of a sudden they stood up and they, and they turned back to people and they flew up into the air. The Bible said that those people across the world that witnessed that, many of them glorified God. They turned to God. They saw God. They understood more when they saw this great miracle. And, and I believe that a lot of them were saved and turned to God and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this number right here is in dire danger now because Satan has cast out of heaven. Satan is cast down to the earth. He can no longer go and accuse the brethren. So now it's his time to get even. It's what he's always wanted to do. He, he not only wants to get even, he wants to be worshipped as God. And in order to be worshipped as God, he's got to do something. What is it? Somebody tell me what he's got to do before he can be worshipped as God. Anybody? Somebody to worship. He's got to do away with all of those who believe Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. He's got to do away with that group of people because he cannot be God as long as they exist. Think about that. So he comes down, he declares war on anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. And things are a lot different. These people have not had the uh, mark of the beast because at this moment, I don't know the mark of the beast has been poured out yet. We haven't we got to that part yet. But we're going to get to it, and he's going to destroy anyone who defies him, anyone who challenges him and his authority. He's going to have them killed. Okay, They're going to die. Because he, he has got to exterminate that before he can be worshipped as God. And that's his goal. Never forget that. When Listen to me. When we yield to Satan, if we let Satan yield us, you know what we're doing? Well, we don't want to hear this, I know. When I let Satan use me, you know what I'm doing? I'm helping him accomplish that goal. That's why the scripture tells us the scripture tells us to flee the very appearance of evil, doesn't it? That means if, if, if you're tempted to fornicate, run. If you're tempted to drink, run. If you're tempted with drugs, run. Get away from it. You can't stand there and argue about it and show everybody how strong you are, you'll fall. Amen? But when it comes to Satan, you know what the scripture tells us to do? Not run. The scripture tells us to fight. Fight him. And so that's what these Christians are going to do. They're going to fight him. They're going to fight his 
his, his idea that he can be God, that he can be worshipped. So he's got to do away with those people. And verse 11 says, but they, and they, overcame him. How? The same way we overcome him now, by the blood of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. We can overcome anything through the blood of Christ. Amen. Because our overcoming comes through the blood. Our redemption comes from the blood. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And not only that, but something else. By the word of his testimony. What is the word of Christ's testimony? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason the Bible says that the, the, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's got great power because it is the way of salvation. It's the way to salvation. It tells people who can save them. And not only does it tell us he, who can save us, it tells us he is the only one that can save us. And it describes how he did it. He did it by shedding his blood and by dying for us. Don't you think we owe him the, the, uh, uh, our strength to stand up and fight the evil they put in there? Amen. Not, we're not talking about flesh and blood. We're not talking about people. We're talking about Satan and his minions. Mm -hmm. And so he said, run from evil. But when they come to Satan, fight. Fight. And there's too many of us who give up the fight when Satan makes it a little hard on us. Amen? Amen. What do you think God thinks about that? When, 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 the, when somebody like now, Satan cannot uh, uh, possess a, a Christian, but he can sure torment them. He can make them grumpy, irritable, hard to get along with, arrogant, prideful. By the way, those aren't things that God gives us. Those are things God takes away from us. And so when we yield back to those things, we give Satan great power in our lives. And sometimes it takes us out of the church, takes us away from the people, makes us cause friction and say things that we ought not say. And he says right here, he says, so we got to overcome that by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And then it said, added something else. He said, when you're saved, and you're, you're redeemed by that blood. And you have the power of the blood. I love that song. There's power in the blood. Because this scripture verifies that. There's great power in the blood. There's power in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's a, that name that we can speak. That carries more power. More weight than any other name you can call out. Any other word you can say. The name of Jesus. Is the most powerful name. On, uh, in, 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 from anywhere. Anytime. Any era. That name is what we need to use to fight Satan. But it says something else. They did not love their lives. Are you listening? He's going to tell us something. Show us something here that we're going to see in Scripture later on. That these people, rather than deny Jesus Christ, were going to give their lives. And they were going to die. Amen. Let me ask you a question. You know, I heard a preacher one time, and I told you all this, and he got on the radio, and he's supposed to be an ordained minister and a man called to God, and he said that he don't believe in the end time when a person receives the mark of the beast but because he wants to save his family's life 
that God will send that man to hell. We're going to see here what the scripture specifically says that those who receive this mark will not go to heaven. So that man lied. And he lied on radio as a preacher of God. I don't know where anybody ever called in on him or not, but he said it, I heard him say it. But here's the thing. You say, well, I, I got to do this. Let me ask you a question. If, if somebody in this time frame comes up to you and says, and they got this gun, and they hold it right here, and they say, you denounce him or death coming to your child, what do you do? Because she's fixing to die. They ain't playing they're going to kill her. But they want to do you that way to get you to denounce Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Don't, you don't want to hang around during this time. Because this time, it's hell's going to be on earth. And it's going to be focused on the children of God. The people who believe in Him. And they're going to hold those guns or those swords to their throats. Whatever they're going to do. However they're going to kill them. And they're going to say, you either take this mark or you're going to die. You either take this mark or your children are going to die. And if we can't find you, we're going to starve you to death. You ain't going to be able to buy, sell, or trade. You ain't going to be able to do any financial business. And they're slowly trying to get it where you got to have cards to do anything. And so if any one time you use a card, that's why so many Christian people are fighting that kind of nonsense because the government can keep up with every transaction that's made just that quick. It's all on computers and they're watching you. You don't think for one minute Big Brother ain't watching you, you're sadly mistaken. You know how Big Brother's watching you? I ain't got my phone. I can walk up to him with my phone and he's got his phone and I'll start getting uh, 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 things from, from the people he's friends with saying you need to be friends with these people. You know why? They're watching. Amen. They already know where you are. How do you think GPS works? How do you think you can go to, to Google Earth and you can type in a destination and it'll tell you every place to turn? You know why? They're watching you. And it's become commonplace and it's become so easy to use that even the cave Arkansas can do it. <laughs> But let me tell you this. This is something that's leading up to something bigger than that. Where they know who you are. They know where you are. They know what you're doing. They know who your family is. They know who your friends are. And they know exactly what you buy, what you sell, and what you trade. They know all about you. But in that day, that mark is supposed to be on your, fore, on your head, forehead or in your hand. And you're not going to buy anything without that mark. And, and it's going to take someone that has, that, like that is described in, chapter, in verse 11, that overcame by the blood of the Lamb, that knew the word of the testimony, that knew if they did this, that it was doomed for hell for them. And they didn't love their lives more than they loved God. They wanted to go to heaven more than they wanted to survive this world. Let me tell you what. Somebody told me one time, ain't none of us getting out of here alive. Well, there's going to be one group. That's going to be when the one Lord comes back. Those who are walking on this earth are going to go up with everybody else. We're going to out of here. We're gone. Y'all, that's the day we live for. 
That's the day that we live for until the day we draw our last breath. We draw our last breath believing that we love God more than we love life. That we love God more than we love anybody else. And that is the comfort we get knowing that our loved ones who have died, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we know they're not dead. Jesus made that very plain. In, in, the, in Lazarus' funeral, he said, He that believeth me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that believeth in me shall never die. Hallelujah. That's what these people knew. That's the reason they knew the Word. That's the reason they had to know the Word. That's the reason they believed the Word. That's the reason they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they believed this until they killed them. Amen. It's, we, better, we better get right. And we better get with the program. All the things that interfere with our worship of God are going to seem so puny. Mm -hmm. You know what these people are going to do? They're going to want to find somebody else that believes like they do. They're going to want to find them. They're going to want to get with them. They're going to want to hug them. They're going to be friends with them. They're not never going to want to leave them. They're going to want to stay in communication with them. Those people in this time are going to wish they had a church to fellowship in. Yep. Amen. They're going to wish they had a place to meet. They're going to wish they could come together and not be reviled or ridiculed or hunted down or shot and killed. They're going to wish for what we have today and we take it for granted. And it ought not be that way. Amen. we got to get with the program. Therefore, he says, Rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And look at this. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. When this event happens in heaven, during this tribulation period, he knows the end is near. And he's going to do everything he can to achieve his goal. And he's going to try his best to make himself God. And we're going to see later on where he gets pretty successful with all of his endeavors because he's wiped out anything, anything that resembles a God-fearing person. And so everybody else turned to him except one group. I uh, that it. It's those... Stiff-necked, hard-headed Jews that have found Christ. They, we, we gave you up on the Lord. We're not going to do that again. And that's where it's going to culminate. Right there. And that's what's going to bring him down in flesh again. And he's going to land on that mountain, the Mount of Olives, the last place he prayed. He's going to land right there. And it's going to split. And I'm getting way ahead of myself right now. But it's so exciting to me to know this. He's going to split that mountain. He's going to stand right on top of it. And those surviving Jewish people are going to flee right through the crevice that he's created in that mountain. And he is going to protect them. And he's going to say, he's the first order of his business is he's going to cast Antichrist and that false prophet into the lake of fire. That's going to be his first order of business. He's going to get rid of them too. And he's going to put the dragon, oh Satan himself, he's going to bind him and put him in a pit. Amen. That's what we got coming. Why do we want 
to let Satan have any control in our life, knowing what's going to happen to him. You know what he is? He's powerless. He's worthless. He's useless. He's a liar. He's a bully. But the only thing we have that we can overcome him is the blood of Christ. Amen. The power of that word. Amen. And love him more than we love anything. Those three. Think about those three. We've been told this from the beginning of, of the gospel that we are to put Christ first. Amen. And we've had him second, third, and fourth fiddle way too long. It's time to put him where he belongs. On the throne. On our throne. And let him rule. We'll be glad you did. But listen to me. When it comes to this time, they're going to need every bit of it that they can get. So they'll succumb to Satan. Amen. Any comments? Barbara and I went into Brooksy today at the church and bought all thirty or forty dollars worth of roses. And she said, I'll just check myself out. So she went through there to check herself out and, uh, and put a credit card there. And it, it showed everything that she bought, how much it was, and even a picture of her. So they're in the, in the uh, computer. So they're, that, I mean, it may happen to everybody, but I, I mean, it's it full of, of fear. To, uh, they, they know that much about you. Amen. So they do know that much about you. And we've allowed that to take place. We've, we've slowly, from the time the United States of America came up with a social security number, it began. It began. Where you had to be identified by a number. And you know how many years ago that's been. That's been a long time ago. And then when you became a number, you know what? How many of you ever said, I'm only a number to that company I work for? I'm only a number because they don't know me, they don't know who I am. I'm a number. And when you call them and say, my name's Gary Terry, they ain't interested in that. Well, we don't want to know that. What's your number? Yeah. <clears throat> if you don't give them that number, you ain't talking to them. We have been conditioned for the mark of the beast for a long, long time. And it's getting worse. Getting worse. And so those are the things we need to keep our eye on. I tell people, I used to have a buddy at work. I still ain't got him in church. But he used to tell me, he said, you want to know what's going on? Watch Israel. <coughs> Watch them. See what's happening. You ain't never seen a time in our lifetime. We've seen the Six-Day War. We've seen, uh, we've seen uh, whatever that last one was in 1984 or 87, whatever year that was. <coughs> we ain't never seen nothing like this. We ain't never seen nothing like we're seeing right now. They're annihilating a, a group of people, and they're being shot at from the west. They're getting shot at from the north. And if they ain't careful, they're going to get shot at from the south. And, and I don't really know right now if our country really means what it says about supporting them with all that war breaks. I'm not sure anymore. And there was never a time in my life where I doubted that we would come to their aid, but I'm not so sure anymore of you. Right. <coughs> They're over there poised. They sure are letting people get by with a whole lot of stuff. 
Amen. Amen. Pretty much thrown around. I would have never dreamed that our colleges and universities and our, our uh, supposedly uh, people of higher education are fools. Amen. They're idiots. Amen. They're as dumb as rocks. And they teach the stuff that they teach. They don't teach uh, education anymore. They teach ideology and philosophy. And you see in our colleges and universities where those idiots get out there and support Hamas. How stupid can anybody be? How ignorant can anybody be? And that's a part of the, what we see today. Evil's good and good's evil. We're seeing it. We're seeing it not just in our nation. We're seeing it all across the world. It's happening that way. Now we're in that time. We're in that time of great sorrow that precedes what we're studying about right now in Revelation. It's coming. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is going to take us out before the, the, the tribulation, you best get ready right now because the time of sorrow is here. And He could come any second of the day or the night because He said there's going to be two in the field. That means it's daytime, but there's going to be two in the bed. That means it's nighttime. That don't mean nothing to Him. He's going to come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He's going to come like lightning. He is from the east to the west and bam, we're gone. And you better be ready but you ain't going to have time to get ready then. It's going to happen that quick. So we need to be ready. We need to stay ready. We need to get up every morning and say, Lord, help me today to be ready for you to come. And we need to pray with that prayer. Help me to be ready to come. Help me to be right with you. Help me to be right with my church. Help me to be right with my brothers and sisters. Restore my fellowship. Help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to be who you want me to be. And Lord, while I'm at it, Come and get us if you will. I'm ready to go. How many of you pray that prayer? The scripture tells us to pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's one of my favorite prayers to pray. And I never pray without praying that prayer. Come, Jesus, and take us away from here. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm sick of this cursed world. Amen. And the only thing that makes me dread it is I know everybody ain't ready. So what are we wasting our time on each other for? Why aren't we wasting our time or doing, taking our time to help people who don't know Him find Him like we're supposed to be doing? Boy, that's pretty simple, isn't it? And we'll do everything in the world except what we know we're supposed to be doing. It's time to get right with each other. It's time to get right with God. And it's trying, time to start telling people there is a God in glory that He saves you to the uttermost. Jesus Christ died for you. He shed His, He loves you more than anybody in this world. And all He wants from you is for you to receive Him and believe on Him. He wants to save you from this lost world. That's what we need to be doing every day. And not worrying about the, the, the stuff that we worry about all the time that hinders us from being able to do that. Those things need to be given to Jesus and let him take them. You know what he's going to do with them? He's going to wipe those things up and he's going to chunk them because he said, you don't need this in your life. You need me in your life. You don't need this, this stuff right here. You need my power. You don't need this stuff right here. You need to know my word so you can live by the word of your testimony that you can live what you say you are and who you say you are. And you need to let people see Jesus Christ in you. We can't be like Satan. Our headlights out. We need to let our shine while we can. Amen. I love y'all. We're just saying.
My goodness. Man, I know all this is going to come out tonight. Y'all, it's time for us to, to get serious about what we believe. Isn't it? Amen. A amen? amen? It's time for us to live what we believe. And quit playing like we believe it and not living that way. That's, that's hypocrisy to God. He wants us to live what we believe. He wants us to know what He wants us to do. He wants us to study. He wants us to learn. He wants us to receive. And He wants us to do it. Amen. Put it, in the, put it into to our life and start doing what we say. The Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. It is a sin not to do that. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. And I know I get so carried away in this stuff. But the, the Word of God is so important to us. Do we understand all of it? No. But we know enough about it. He don't ask you to understand how you're going to do it. He just asks you to believe that this is the way it's going to be. And we need to really believe that. Amen. I don't know what, how He's going to destroy everything. I think I do. But I know He's going to do it. And that's the part you got to know. It don't matter whatever, how He does it. He's going to do it. And he's told us he's going to do it. Do you believe him? Yeah. Hmm? Don't tell me you believe in Christ, but you don't believe everything. Because if you don't believe everything, you don't believe any of it. Yeah. Amen. God bless you all. Y'all have a great week this week. I know life's picking up. Things are getting faster. Don't forget uh, Kenneth Hill and his family and your prayers. And uh, I'll post on our church web page as soon as I find out any details on uh, what's going to happen so everybody will know and uh, we'll, we'll, I mean, they're, like I said, they're members, we'll, we'll love them on them and love on them and do whatever we can to support them and make this time e as easy as if we can for them. So y'all be in prayer for them. Remember Thursday, uh, Melissa has her surgery. Be sure and give, she's, she's really sick today. She's really in a lot of pain today, but she's, uh, she knows that the relief's coming. And she, she's faithful to believe that. So y'all continue to pray. And pray for all the others that we've mentioned here tonight. And all those who are suffering right now. God is great. Amen. 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 Brother Randy. Yes, sir. Ain't an association meeting Tuesday night. Yes. Those are for those who have signed up for it. Yeah. Tuesday night. Okay. Brother Randy, would you dismiss us, please? Lord, we just come to you and thank you the message tonight, Lord, and word. Lord, we'll pray we'll just dig into it deeper on our own. Lord, and it'll be able to come alive to us. We we'll pray for the Hill family, Lord, you just be with him. Give him comfort and peace during his time. Lord, we just pray for each one of us here, Lord, that you just keep us safe as we travel to and from, Lord. Lord, let us just keep our eyes on you, Lord. Leave God and direct us. We love you, thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.